0: Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska Podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's word. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13: when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. Everybody say legal indebtedness having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle. Can can we just stop? Can we just stop there real quick? Can I tell you why I like that phrase so much? That statement, he made a public spectacle of them do you you know the greatest weapon that the enemy thinks he has is death that's the greatest because can i tell you it ain't over until it's over and the greatest weapon the greatest the greatest tool that the enemy has against you is death But you got to understand something. When Jesus went to that cross, as he was hanging on that cross, becoming the propitiation for your sin, hanging on that cross, can I tell you something? He made a public spectacle of death, saying, guess what? The only weapon that you had against my people, the only weapon that you had that gave you strength, devil, which was death, is gone. I have have taken away your power. And I have made a public spectacle of your greatest strength now is your greatest weakness. That's why Paul says, (laughs) ha To live is Christ, but to die. Death no longer has a hold on me. And what the devil considered his greatest strength now is put to shame because there's nothing in comparison to the life that we have in Christ. And that death, that weapon of the enemy, was put to shame, and he made a public spectacle of them. Are you ready for this? Triumphing over them by the cross. Let's pray. Father, I I thank you that who the Son sets free is free indeed. Lord, open our ears to hear, our hearts to receive. For Lord, we know we are convinced that you are a good God. You are powerful, you are mighty, you are holy. Lord your presence is in this place and your word tells us that where your spirit is there is freedom so let that freedom reign let freedom reign in this place in the mighty name of Jesus and everybody said amen praise God can we give Jesus some praise you may be seated hey can you guys give it up for dough girl you're my favorite worship leader, I'm telling you. She is, hands down, my favorite worship leader. And, uh, and I, I just want to make sure that you understand something. I need to cut to the chase and get right into the word. But I, I, I can't say enough about really the greatest pastors on planet Earth. And they are wonderful, wonderful dear friends of mine and you are blessed to have pastors. You know, I, I said this first service, there's some pastors that can pastor but can't preach. And there are, some, there are some pastors that can preach, but they don't know a lick about pastoring. <laughs> you have pastors that have all five-fold ministries expressed in this house. They prophesy, they teach, they preach, they pastor. They are madly in love with you. It's crazy. Like, wh- what is the only other explanation of living in Alaska? <laughs> now, you got to realize I'm from Hawaii. The cold hurts. It hurts. Don't all you all you yo-yos that walk out in tank top and a shorts on a wall, I'm like, what are you doing? What is wrong with you? It's cold, it hurts cold, it hurts cold. And uh, they're, they're up here because they love the great state of Alaska and they love you. You have some of the greatest pastors on planet Earth. Can you give your pastors a round of applause? Come on. Title of my message this morning, if you're taking notes, is I am free. Look at that person next to you say, I'm free. Just in case you, you don't know this, I'm, I'm, I'm free. Come on, say it, I'm free. Now, I, I, I don't know if any of you have ever been in a place of being in debt. Anybody here ever, ever been in a place of being in debt? And it is one of the worst feelings. Can I tell you, it's one of the worst feelings because you feel like you're in bondage. I mean, just like you wake up and there's something on you. But I don't know if any of you have ever experienced the feeling of being totally and completely debt free. It, it, is, it is amazing. I owe nobody Nothing. You know what I mean? Like waking up in the morning. Going, I don't know. I don't know you nothing. I don't know you nothing. I don't know you. You know what I'm saying? It's like wow, that feeling of being completely and totally debt free. Can I tell you? The Bible says it is for freedom. It is for freedom's sake. Christ set you free. God's desire is that you exp- that you understand that you experience the fullness, the magnitude of freedom. What Christ did on the cross was for your freedom. And a lot of us, we want power, but can I tell you something? You have no power without freedom. And we want to walk in power, but we're, we're in bondage. We're in bondage to our fears. We're in bondage to our sins, and we're in bondage, and, and we can't figure out why in the world we feel so powerless and why we feel so hopeless and why we're not walking in the freedom which Christ paid such a huge price for. It is for freedom. He sets you free and we need to begin to live free. We need to begin to know what it is to live free. You know, as a matter of fact, I want every single one of you, when you leave my goal for this message, this is my aim for this message this morning. I want you to leave here debt free. That everything that the devil kept hanging over your head, every accusation that he hurls at you, I want you to leave here going, ha, I'm sorry, devil. You have no hold on me anymore. I'm debt free. I owe you, devil. I owe you. Yeah, there you go. Nothing. Romans chapter eight. I've got a lot of scripture for you this morning, so we're going to have to fly. Are you ready? Romans chapter eight, verse six. Number one, you were made alive. Everybody say it with me. I'm made alive. Now, I, I love what Pastor Daniel said. This this issue of, of salvation is not good or bad. It's not to make you gooder. We don't receive Jesus Christ in our life to make us gooder versions of ourselves, better versions of ourselves. It's not a difference between good or bad. Sin isn't the difference between good and bad. It's death and life. And Christ came to make you alive. He came to make you alive. And so if we're gonna walk in the life that Christ paid the price on the cross to give us, we've gotta realize that there are certain issues that need to be dealt with in our life. The freedom that Christ has given us is free in every area of our life. But can I tell you, one of the greatest challenges I have is my mind is still bound. And if I don't look categorically through my life and go, wow, I got to get freedom in my mind. I got to get freedom in my speech. I got to get freedom in my direction. Then what will happen is there will be certain parts of my life that experience a level of freedom, but other parts that remain bound. But it's God's desire that every part of your life be free. How many here want freedom in your mind? In Romans chapter 8, verse 6, it says this, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is what? Is what? Life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It actually sees God as an enemy. Can I tell you why a mind governed by the flesh sees God as an enemy? It's because God's desire and God's will is contrary to the will of your flesh. Excuse me, God, you want me to do what? You want me to give what? You want me to live how? I don't think so. I want to live how I want to live. And so the problem is, if you try and tell me how to live, all of a sudden you become an enemy to me. Especially if I don't want to do what you want me to do. And so a mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit. That's the goal. Everybody say the goal is to submit. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, (laughs) but are in the realm of the spirit. You have been brought into a new reality. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Can I tell you right now, there is a mind that is governed. Can I ask you a question? That that word governed actually means, in its original context, means to be dominated by. What is your thought life dominated by? Why don't you just, just think about that for a moment. What do you focus on? Is your mind, when everything, when all hell breaks loose against you, is your mind focused on the death or the the problems or the issues, the fear, the anxieties? What governs your mind? What dominates your thought life? Because whatever dominates your thought life is what will lead and guide you. Because what dominates your thought life becomes the filter in your life to interpret what's ahead of you. To begin to interpret what's coming at you. And so we've got to get a grip on what's governing, what's dominating our thought process. I mean, I, you're, you're sitting with someone and they're, they're facing anxiety and it's real. Guys, listen to me. It is real. Friends, can, can I tell you right now there are things that you can think that, be, that can actually create and cultivate a new reality that may not even exist, but it's real to you. Because it's happening here. And they're so controlled by fear and anxiety. And you're trying to convince, you're a pastor, you're trying to convince them. No, I promise there is no boogeyman. Listen, when I was a kid, I was convinced there was a boogeyman. So much so, now watch this, are you ready? So much so, it changed the way I prepped for bed. It changed the way I slept. It changed the way I got into bed. Because I believe there was a boogeyman under my bed. Someone convinced my mind. And so what would I do? Every single time I got ready for bed, (laughs) I'd look under the bed. I'd I'd step back just a little bit. I'd get ready. And I did a running start. And what would I do? Five feet. I'm telling you, there are times I missed the bed completely. Can I just tell you, don't look at me with that tone of voice. You did the same thing. And I would run and I would jump. There there are moments I thought I was going to die because I'd jump and go a little too far. (laughs) And I would jump, I'd get in the bed, and then I have this brilliant idea. I know some of you are just as smart as me. I have this brilliant idea. If I can't see the boogeyman, he can't see me. And so I would get under the covers, almost suffocate myself because I would have the covers over my head so convinced of what what my mind thought, what my mind perceived. And so the problem that we battle is we want to walk in freedom, but our mind has not been freed. Our mind is still dominated by certain ideas. Our mind is still dominated by things that are spoken over us that has become the reality of who we are and our identity. Well, I'm stupid because that's what my daddy called me. I'm good for nothing because that's what my mama said about me. And our minds now have begun to create a reality in which we live in that is contrary to the freedom freedom. Christ has provided so Paul the Apostle begins to explain to us that we have to have a mind governed governed dominated ooh, by the Holy Spirit pastor how do I how do I do this oh it's I know I'm, I'm about to risk I'm about to risk sounding extremely cliche but it's it's what's filling your mind Because whatever fills your mind will dominate your mind. Whatever fills your mind will govern your mind. You ever ever been in a car with a bunch of kids that want to go in different places? Worst mistake I ever made in my life as a parent. Kids, where do you want to eat? You know exactly what I'm talking about. I want to go to McDonald's. I want to go to Raising Cane's. I want to go to Burger King. I don't want to go to any of those places. That's, that's exactly what I face in my mind. How do you want to handle this situation? <laughs> I want to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Shut up back there, right? <laughs> <You're> like... <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, these, these are some of the things that I struggle with. And, of course, we have all these terminologies now that we give people and, and of course, medications that we give them. But can I just be real with you? And I'm not not against medication. I understand some people have imbalances in their their system. And I understand that. I'm not against that. But can I tell you? If there's anything supplementing the position of the Holy Spirit governing your mind. You want to think right? Get your mind governed by the word. Get your mind governed by, and this is one of my, the biggest problems when I'm off, when my brain and my mind and my thinking is out of alignment, I can't see my wife correctly. I can't see my kids correctly. I don't care if I have the title of pastor or not. If my mind ain't right, I see things off. That's why I've got to fill my mind with the word, the Bible says to wash your mind with the reading of the word. Constant, just get it washed, get it filled up. I gotta, I gotta start praying in the Holy Spirit. But and this isn't it so funny. How the devil will try and convince you that you ain't making sense? Exactly. The very fact of praying in tongues, you are praying a mystery. You're, it's it's supposed to bypass your understanding, so your spirit taps into something supernatural. I gotta pray in the Holy Ghost i gotta, I got to spend time. This, i got to worship because i got to get my mind right. But the second thing that we see in, in truly walking in the freedom that Christ paid for is, number one, our mind is free. Everybody say, my mind is free. But secondly, the state of our life, who we are. One of the things that Paul the Apostle really deals with that we see there in Colossians Chapter 2 is he's really trying to help the church in Colossae understand the freedoms in which Christ has given them. Is that the state of who they are, their being, has to shift. How you see yourself, who you see yourself to be, has to shift in order for you to walk in freedom. Because as long as you perceive yourself to be bound, you'll always live bound. Right? It's like that elephant. As a baby elephant, they put a little chain around it's ankle, and only goes so far. But by the time it becomes an adult, they don't even have a chain around the ankle. They have a tiny little rope that that elephant could break, but because it has become so conditioned. So the problem is we have been so impacted by sin that it has become our very identity, and we don't know how to break past the being how do I do this? And I, I want you to see this. Gordon Gordon Fee, a the, uh, theologian, wonderful theologian, said walking in the spirit is incompatible with walking in the flesh. This is the biggest problem. Can I tell you, our being has to shift, and this is how it has to shift. How it has to shift is you have to change who you perceive yourself to be in this way. I am no longer a sinner. I'm saved by grace. I no longer live by the flesh. I'm no longer in the flesh. I'm now brought into the kingdom. I used to have an old way of living. Now I'm brought from death to life I'm a part of the kingdom of God my identity has changed but the battle is this we want to live in both worlds and that's why our identity is so messed up because you can't be everything Christ has intended you to be and try and be you No, but, but pastor pastor, pa- 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 pastor listen This part of my life, it's okay to have my toe over here. And the Holy Spirit, and I love this too, the Holy Spirit understands. (laughs) Don't look at me because this is exactly what you look like. Some of you look at me like, he's crazy. This is exactly, look, look how crazy you look. Because this is how you're trying to live life. You're trying to have one foot in the world And you're straddling this fence of compromise. I'm not angry at anybody. I'm just telling you, Christ set you free. Let's walk free. He set you free so you can move from death to life. Why do you keep flirting with death? Why do you keep flirting with things that corrupt your life and, and, and actually cause compromise in the vision and the destiny and the purpose, the incredible purpose of your life? We gotta transition. We have to transition and say, man, there's some things in my life and the old way of living that I just gotta I I gotta transition, I gotta move it. It's time. I've gotta realize in my life. And I'm gonna I want you to write this down because this is big. Can you write this down? Sin in our life will always cause strife in our relationship with God. I know a lot of us don't want to hear this. We don't want to talk about this. We want God to just excuse our sin and say, oh, son, I I love you. You can live, you can do whatever you want. I I, I love you. But yet what we don't realize is that sin in our life causes strife in our relationship with God. And and I, I relate it to this. It's like a husband and wife that have a secret. Listen, I kept a secret from my wife, and I'm telling you, it was hell to pay. Can I? It wasn't fun. It wasn't fun, because every time I see her, I'm like, hi. Just knowing, just waiting, because she's brilliant and she's the worst part is she has discernment, so she's gonna figure it out. Hi, hey babe. Oh, I want a hug. Hi. Like, mm. That secret causes strife. It's, it's like when Adam and Eve sinned, what was the first thing they did? They, they hid. And we, we want this freedom in our relationship with God. We want a freedom in a being, but the problem is, we keep living this double life, and it's causing strife in the fullness of the relationship that Christ wants to give us, and it's really not his issue. It's our issue. God wasn't hiding in the garden. We are so we've got to, if we don't deal with this, what happens is we're, we're causing, well, I, Pastor, you know, I can be in the presence of God, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not experiencing the fullness. Why? Can, can we really search our hearts and say, man, there's some things going on in here. Are there things happening in my life? Are there ways of living that are causing strife in my room? What are the secrets? You know what's so amazing about the Lord? He actually tells us that if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just, will forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness, that you know that God will never, ever, ever, ever reject your repentance. And even if you were carrying a secret, he goes, oh, Adam and Eve come out of the bush. They come out of the bush with self-made clothes. And what does God do? He doesn't go, oh, get thee behind me, Satan. Satan. He doesn't look at them and go, oh, you made that? He doesn't sit there and criticize their leaves. Yeah, right. Come on. Come on. Who's your designer, right? <laughs> you know what he did? He didn't criticize them. He made them new clothes. And he says, what you're incapable of doing, covering yourself, I'm, I'm going to cover you your identity has to shift. Our identity has to shift because friends, were no longer slaves. See, slavery is an identity issue. And I'm, I, you, you have to understand in the Bible, in Bible days, in Old Testament days, slavery was an identity thing. Did everything that you were, and can I tell you that's why slavery is so evil? Because you rob people of their identity. And can I tell you, we we have a different type of slavery today. Oh well, Pastor, you know I, I, I'm I don't believe in slavery. Yeah, but the problem is you've already you've already hurled a specific identity on somebody, and you rob them of their freedom and their identity. But can I, can I tell you right now, this is, this is powerful. Romans 6.15, are you guys still with me? Yeah. Romans 6.15, what then shall we, shall we sin? Because we are not under the law, but under grace. By no means do you not know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey. obey. You're slaves to the one you obey. Obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the patterns of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves, have become, oh, 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 oh. can I tell you why this is so powerful? Pastor, why would the Bible use the word slaves to righteousness? It's because now my entire identity, everything that I am, that which I used to be is no longer what identifies me anymore. That which I am, my identity is righteousness. You've been set free. Can can I tell you what's so amazing? Is that The devil had right to you because of the disobedience of Adam and Eve. Their disobedience led to your bondage. But when Jesus came and paid the price for our sins, there had to be a price that had to be paid. Because we are debtors to the devil. We were debtors to sin. Someone had to pay the price and Jesus came. God in robes of flesh came and he said, oh, none of these people can pay the fullness of the price that is necessary for their freedom. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pay it. All God, yet all men. Do you know why he needed to be all men? Do you know why God couldn't just show up, step out of heaven and go, okay, devil, give me the rights back. It's because the sin was ours to pay. As humanity, the sin was ours to pay. So God had to come in the flesh so that the fullness could be paid. Can I ask you a question? Why, if Christ paid the price for our freedom, do we keep going back to captivity? Why? Why? I mean, can, can, can I just ask you to start thinking that way? It's like, why would I, do, why would I go back to that? Because the devil, the devil can only work in the area of rights. He only has rights to what you give him right to. Because his rights, when Christ died on the cross, his rights were taken away. The only way the devil can have right to you is if you give it to him. Do you know how you, it's called obedience? You know, I think I'll be obedient to that pornography today. Rights. I think I'm going to be obedient to that anger today. Rights. But pastor, I said a salvation prayer. That means the devil has no rights to me. Can I tell you, that's absolutely right. Why do you keep giving him rights? You're right. You said a salvation prayer, and by faith, you severed, by faith, you severed the tie. That means, that means he has no right. Why the heck would you start hugging on him again? I know Jesus set me free from you, but I really like you. What what is wrong with your thinking? Why would you become obedient to that which Jesus severed you from again? Freedom. Are you really opening up that organ for me? Brother, man, I only got four minutes left. Kia D, please. No, just showcase. Don't listen to anything I'm saying. I'm free. Let's start. I don't want to be. I don't want to. I don't want to be a slave anymore. Because I'm alive in Christ. We are taken out, friends. Listen, we are taken out of the kingdom of darkness and we're brought into the kingdom of light. We have a new perspective. When I was in the kingdom of darkness, this is all I could see. All I could see was my selfishness. All I could see was a certain desire, a certain way of living, a certain way of thinking. But all of a sudden, I was brought, this right here, was brought from death to life. Do you know what that means? I got a new revelation. I got a revelation of freedom. I got a revelation of increase and prosperity. I got a revelation of salvation. I got a revelation of healing. Because my eyes were open now to a different life, a different way of living, a kingdom living. And in Romans chapter 6, 11, come on, in the same way, count yourselves what? Count yourselves what? Dead to sin and alive to Christ Jesus. You're just mean-spirited. You're just mean. You told me. You know what he's doing? He's testing me right now. He's testing me if I'm going to keep looking at that clock or I'm just going to let loose and... It's difficult for me to reconcile is in Romans 8, 11. And the spirit who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Through his spirit that dwells in you. Can I, can I tell you something? Because a lot, of, a lot of people are saying, well, Pastor, what is the, what is the flesh? What is it? I'm not talking about your epidermis, your skin and bone. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this fallen part of us that desires to be obedient to our own desires. And when something shifts in you and you get a revelation of Jesus Christ, and he gives you a new vision of a new life you can have, all of a sudden he creates an opportunity for you to be obedient to something else. And instead of being bound by your own sinful desire and that's all you can be obedient to, you now have the ability to be obedient to the supernatural, to the Holy Spirit. You now have a new way of living and thinking. You gotta get this in your spirit because Jesus lives inside of you by the Holy Spirit. And we've gotta gotta deal with this. We've gotta deal with that fallenness. It has no right to dictate your life any longer. You have a different way of thinking. There's new management in town. Friends, there's new management in town. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to empower you to kill your sinful nature. That's why the Bible says, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives inside of me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live unto the Son of God. There's a different way of living in me. So i got to rely upon the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit desperately. He set me free. He has forgiven my legal indebtedness. And the key to your forgiveness is his sacrifice. Can I tell you my favorite part of this passage? Is no longer, not, not only has he severed the tie and set you free, but he's disarmed the enemy. Now, this is, this is my favorite. Can, can I tell you why I, I love, I, I love this portion of scripture? It's because the picture that we get. Anybody here ever watch the movie? Mighty Python, Search for the Holy Grail. If you haven't seen that movie, you're still saved. If you raised your hand that you saw it, a spirit of santo. <laughs> Mighty Python, Search for the Holy Grail. There is this moment of this brilliant, ridiculously brilliant movie where there's a knight And King Arthur has to fight a knight, and this knight is intimidating. This knight is big. He's scary, and all of a sudden, King Arthur is in this fight, this sword fight with this knight, and he cuts off the arm of the knight, and it plops off. And King Arthur's like, I've won. And the knight's like, what are you talking about? It's just a flesh wound. (laughs) And he wants to keep fighting, and so King Arthur's like, okay, cuts off the other arm sword on the ground. Okay, move out of the way, I've won. It's just a flesh wound. And he starts kicking King Arthur in the shin. Come on, let's fight. I'm gonna get you. So King Arthur cuts off the leg. And he's sitting there hopping like this. Come on, bring it on. King Arthur's like, are you serious? It's just a flesh wound. This is how stupid the devil is. And all of a sudden, I love this. All of a sudden, King Arthur cuts off the final leg. And it's just this guy with a head. No arms, no legs. Come on, let's fight. I'll bite your ankles. The definition of the word that the devil has been disarmed is he is an armless legless stump of a devil threatening to to bite your ankles why do we keep giving that armless legless stump of a devil credence in our life he's been disarmed that means he can't grab you no more that means his power has been diminished his power has been taken away Church, you got to understand something. The devil don't got a hold on you. You don't got to obey him anymore. You don't have to be afflicted by the devil anymore. Stop letting that ankle biker, that ankle biter, biker, that ankle biter get you down. Shake it off. Stop giving the devil so much power. What is wrong with you? You're free. You're free, and who the sun sets free is free indeed. He's disarmed the enemy. He's weakened the power of the enemy. He has he has wholly put off and detached all power from the devil over your life. Now I could go into that for all days. But can I just can I close with this? Worship team, come on. And you keep doing that. He has made us triumphant. I'm looking at a triumphant church. I'm not looking at a weak, depressed, beat up, destroyed, dysfunctional church. I'm looking at A triumphant church. Friends, you are victorious. You are stronger than you know you are. You are freer than you know you are. But pastor, but but pastor, my my mind, you're free. Your mind has been freed. Your mind has been freed. Pastor, I still battle depression. No, Jesus battled it for you. morning when depression starts hitting you, I want you to see depression as an armless, legless, oh, excuse me, excuse me, depression, I feel like bunting you today. Oh, fear. How about this one? I'm sorry, lust. All you are to me, lust. Lust is an armless, legless, stump of a devil, and you can't tempt me anymore. Can I, can I tell you, the Bible says resist the devil and he must flee. So can I, you got to understand something. Authority works like this. The more you activate your authority, the stronger you get. So when you, when you wake up in the morning and say, I'm, I'm so sorry, depression, fear, anger, offense, lust. Come on, can, I, can I just keep going down the list? I, I've been set free from you. You don't have rights to me any longer. I don't have to obey you. So I'm going to exercise my authority and I'm going to resist you today now you know why we keep battling with it is because the devil knows he can get you people that come to me and go oh pastor pastor i just keep giving in the devil he keeps coming after me This because he knows he can get you can i tell you throughout you know so, so what's so interesting about the new testament the bible says that jesus was led by the spirit into the desert to be tempted he gets tempted three separate times but you see the temptations done with the rest of the new testament you don't see one other time where the devil's like um Can I catch you in this one? Why? Because he already, he can't waste his time. Why in the world would the devil waste his time with you when he can't trick you? When he can't tempt you? The reason why he keeps tempting you is because he he knows. He got your number. Change your number. Devil, this doesn't work on me anymore. I, I just, this doesn't work on me anymore. That temptation, that, that idea, that seed of fear, that seed of, of doubt, it doesn't work on me anymore. So you gotta realize something. The devil's not omnipresent. I'm gonna finish right now. The devil's not omnipresent. So this is the thing. Because he's not omnipresent, if you're not giving in to his schemes... He doesn't have a ton of demons to waste on people. So he's gonna be like, you know what? Let's just give up on this Joker. He's not giving anymore. We'll go tempt somebody. Let's go tempt their neighbor. But there's gotta be a determination. Can I just, there's gotta be a grit. Like we gotta get, as believers, we gotta get our grit back. Can I tell you that greasy grace message that we talk about all the time? You know one of the things that I think the greasy grace message has done? It's removed the grit out of the church. Why do why do I have to even fight the devil anymore if it doesn't even matter what I do? Jesus loved me. So now we've lost our grit, which means we've lost our authority. It is for freedom Christ sets you free. This is a free house. This is a debt-free house. I'm gonna close with the story. You can go ahead and play. That word, that that word triumphant means a joyous celebration caused by victory. A joyous celebration caused by victory. I was in I was in the car, I was, I was 12 years old and my cousin was driving, we were in Dallas, Texas, and driving down the road, the, the streets are really, really slippery. And all of a sudden, he loses control of the car. Now you gotta realize something, back then, we were in a minivan, back then, people in the back seat didn't have to wear seatbelts. And that car started going Whoosh. Whoosh. We did three 360s Whoosh. I thought I was gonna die. Now look, can I tell you something? When you think you're gonna die, I prayed in every tongue you can possibly imagine. I called upon Jesus. I was screaming at the top of my lungs. I probably sounded like something that you was like, how in the world did that come out of that? And all of a sudden, the car stops. Miraculously, it actually stopped facing the way we're supposed to be going. <laughs> out of me when I realized that I came out of a situation that could have been deadly, unscathed. Something came out of me. A joyful praise of victory. Why? Because I went through the valley of the shadow of death and I realized that he is greater, that he is stronger. Friends, we got to understand something that when you know The full magnitude of the ramifications of sin, which is death, and that God has transitioned you, God has brought you from death to life, that you could be living in darkness right now, that you could still be a captive to sin, but he has set you free by the power of Jesus Christ. Friends, it begins to bring forth a victory and a praise and a celebration to know that I've been brought from death to life. I no longer belong. and who the sun sets free is free indeed. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at KCALaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.